This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, April 15th, 2021. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include scammers that are using web contact forms and redirection to spread their malware. More web browsers are offering options out of Google's new Flock Cookies alternative. The FBI has been involved in a mass uninstall operation helping to remove malware from U.S. exchange servers. And there's more bad news for Facebook as another large-scale database of user phone numbers has surfaced. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing just fine. We're going to talk about Facebook in the second part of the show Again, ah, yes. we talk about Facebook a lot. There are a lot of reasons to talk about Facebook. But first, we've got some interesting stories that are really Mac-specific this week. There's a new way of spreading malware through contact forms via Google URLs. And while the malware in question is only for Windows, this is certainly a technique that could be used for other things going forward, just standard phishing, for example. Right. It could be used for phishing. It could be used also to deliver Mac threats, depending on what browser you're, you're visiting these malicious URLs with and things like that. So it's definitely something to be aware of, even though so far we only know that it's been used to deliver Windows malware. So here's the thing. A lot of businesses have a contact us form on their website. You know, it makes sense. You you want customers to be able to give you feedback. Some companies maybe don't want to give their email address or, or maybe they just want to give people a convenient way to send them a message without having to log into their email. Maybe they're on a public computer, you know, and they just want to give some feedback right now, but they don't really want to type in their password on that computer. So a contact form kind of makes sense for a lot of businesses. And of course, when you fill out these contact forms, then the company has, you know, usually a standard email address that it goes to. There's probably some standard people who always get these messages and it's going to look legit, right? You know whether it comes from the contact form or not. There's ways that you can tell that on the receiving end. So what uh, some cyber criminals are starting to do now is to fill out contact forms for a company that they're targeting. And they're putting a Google Sites URL. Google Sites is, I guess you could say, a web app where you can create your own website. And it's going to have a, a special sites.google.com, I think is the URL. So it's going to have an address that's on the Google domain. So it looks totally legitimate. And what they're doing is they're sending these malicious links in the body of the the message in these contact forms. So they'll come up with some excuse that's relevant to that company. They'll say, oh, for whatever reason, I need you to click on this link. Maybe they'll say, I found a bug in your software, if it's a software company. And I put up some screenshots here. So when an employee sees this sites.google.com link, they will click on it. You know, it might uh, prompt them to sign into a, a Google account, which would seem like something you might do if you were trying to get to a Google page, right? That could be a phishing link, however. You also could get redirected to malware, and that's what people are seeing is there's a particular type of uh, banking Trojan, info-stealing Trojan called Iced ID that is uh, prevalent on Windows right now, and that's being used in the campaigns that have been seen so far. But it could just as easily be used for phishing, which affects anybody on any platform, and also the page 
page that you visit, that sites.google.com link, could determine what operating system and browser you're using and use that to determine what malware to push to you. So it's entirely possible that variations of this attack could be used to deliver Mac malware if they just see that you're visiting the page from a Mac. I never heard of sites.google.com before. Yeah, well, the funny thing about this is that when I saw this mentioned in the article, I was like, oh, sites.google.com. Yeah, I remember that thing. I'm like, that thing got canceled years ago from what I remember. And it turns out that apparently Google resurrected it because like, there was some previous iteration of Google Sites and if I'm if I am not mistaken, I think they shut down that service for a while. And then I guess at some point they must have relaunched it, which I was not aware of until now. It looks like a really simple way to make basic websites. So I guess it's useful for some people. Yeah, until Google shuts it down again. Yeah, I can't <laughs> trust Google. Okay, we talked about Google's flock tracking system last week, FLOC. We've got two news stories about Flock this week. Briefly, tell us about Brave Browser and Vivaldi Browser, which I never heard of either. Uh, okay. Well, so we've talked about Brave before. I'm not sure if we've ever mentioned Vivaldi, but both of these browsers are based on Chromium, the open source version of it. And so Brave has decided that they're going to disable this Flock tracking system. They're not going to use it, which is not surprising because Brave sort of advertises itself as as a privacy-friendly alternative to, to Chrome. Vivaldi is doing the same thing. They've said uh, that they're not going to be using Flock as well. They've removed it from their browser because Flock is controversial. Remember, Flock, we talked about last week, is federated learning of cohorts. And <laughs> it's, it's this new answer that Google has to supposedly improving privacy while still delivering targeted ads. For the time being, they're using this in tandem with cookies, but eventually they want to not have to use cookies anymore. To me, this, and I kind of think I said this last week too, but um, it's this really sounds like Google is trying to pretend that they're really interested in preserving your privacy by saying, we're not going to use cookies anymore because they know that cookies is the thing that people have heard about for years and are afraid of. And so flock just, you know, that sounds like a bunch of birds flying in the sky. There's nothing, you know, dangerous about that. Unless you've seen the movie The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock, but um, then you might have a different opinion. The big browsers aren't going to do this. The small browsers can. So basically, they're trying to position themselves as being a bit more private, right? Well, yeah, that's that's basically the thing. So um, Vivaldi is really mostly a Windows browser, but they, since they do happen to have a Mac version, I thought it would be worth mentioning them too. I don't really know what the advantage of Vivaldi is. By the way, if we have any listeners at all that use Vivaldi, please please send us an email podcast at intego.com because I don't know a single Mac user who's using Vivaldi. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at their website. I'll put a link in the show notes. So if anyone wants to check it out, you can add any website as a web panel to open it and view it in split screen. It looks like it's got some interesting display ideas. It's got a built-in ad tracker and blocker. Never heard of it. So, but see, I'm the Safari, I'm the Safari guy because you know, I write about Mac stuff, so I need to know Safari, so I really don't want to spend my time using other browsers. I must say that their website is very attractive and modern looking. It looks like they're, they've got some innovations that we don't have in other browsers, so I'd say it's worth checking out. Okay, last story, and here's one where, this is kind of scary, the FBI has been going into web servers and removing web shells. What's going on here? 
Ah, okay. So Windows, Microsoft Exchange servers, these are email servers, um, have been compromised uh, recently. There's been um, a a number of attacks. Apparently, According to uh, the record, there have been attacks by Chinese state-sponsored threat actors in this hacking campaign um, that took place between January and February of this year. And so the uh, allegedly, these Chinese threat actors abused uh, several security flaws. Um, they're collectively known as proxy logon. They took over these exchange servers and they installed something called a web shell, which is a backdoor uh, it, to give attackers like further access to these servers. And uh, and then, you know, they could do a lot of other terrible things with with that foothold inside of these exchange servers. And so apparently what happened is um, the FBI uh, led this operation to actually <laughs> break into these hacked exchange servers to remove the web shells. So they're hacking to undo the Chinese hacks, um, which is sort of bizarre. Like this is not something typically that the U.S. government does very often, where they will decide, okay, we're gonna just go ahead and break into you know someone else's servers. For for good purposes, we're going to undo the damage that somebody else has caused. But apparently they saw this as a big enough problem that they decided to take things into their own hands. Okay, I think this should give us pause. The fact that the FBI is breaking into computers, claiming to do something that's for the good, which in this case it is. But what if next time it's not good things that they're doing? Yeah, it's it's it can be a little bit disconcerting. I guess it all depends on what your view of the FBI and the U.S. government might be. Um, if you don't see them as trustworthy organizations, uh, you know, and governments, then um, you know that that especially can sound a little bit scary. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Facebook. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2021. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Big Sur and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego. World-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Okay, so back to Facebook again. It's time to talk about Facebook. There are 500 million reasons to talk about Facebook, aren't there? Yeah, uh, just about. (laughs) And if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, reference last week's episode, because we talked about the 500 million users that all had data exposed, their phone numbers and other data about them exposed in this big breach that uh, sort of came to light, really, in the past week or two. So apparently, according to Vice, there is another Facebook phone 
phone number database online. What's going on over at Facebook? Now, okay, for, to be fair, the first thing that we that we talked about last week, this was actually a data breach that happened in, I think, 2019. And so they're, they're saying, yeah, but it's old data. You know, that's that's just old stuff. You don't need to worry about this. But uh, but yeah, Vice has this article uh, published on April 9th that says that uh, an analysis by uh, Motherboard and a security researcher indicates that there's a database separate from that one that has phone numbers. Yes, apparently what they're doing is if you enter your phone number in Facebook, if you give them your phone number, which you don't have to, but many people do, there's a way to search for users by their phone number. So we were looking before the show, I couldn't find links, but I've seen some people talking about a scraping method that was used basically testing every single possible phone number that could ever exist. So including the various country codes, we talked last week about how different countries are involved and each country has a a country code. And so they just tossed all these numbers to kind of brute force attack and found which ones were real. And I guess once they have the phone number, they can get more information. I think there's a lot we don't know about this, in part because Facebook won't tell us. In fact, Facebook's kind of pretending that nothing happened. They're just saying it's old, don't worry about it, don't care. Whereas I think we're seeing more and more attention from, well, both users and regulators. Ireland has just opened a GDPR investigation into this leak. And we talked about GDPR, what, a couple years ago when it came into force, because Facebook is not protecting the data sufficiently. And and I think one of the things that irked the Irish a lot is something like 100 Irish politicians, members of parliament, etc. Their data was in this leak as well. Right. And GDPR, by the way, if you don't remember, is General Data Protection Regulation, which is basically a European Union regulation that has to do with uh, privacy and practices of, uh, of companies that do business in the EU. So it makes sense that there's an investigation. They want to know what's going on, um, how, how this sort of thing <laughs> can happen and whether uh, this falls under GDPR. Um, given the time frame, I'm not sure that it necessarily does when the actual breach supposedly happened, but I, I guess I guess we'll see what happens with that um, with that suit. So this other thing that's going on, through the, the social network and messaging platform Telegram, there's a bot that you can use. And if you give this bot a particular Facebook page, It'll give you information about users of Facebook who have liked that page. So you can find out uh, people's phone numbers, for instance, and that's kind of one of the big things. Just like with this other breach, this tool can also give you users' phone numbers. You don't have to have any relationship with them. They don't have to be a friend of a friend. You can just go to any old page, and it doesn't necessarily give you information about every single person who has liked that page, but uh, quite a few people who have liked it, you'll be able to get their information. And obviously, the purpose of this is to target those people in some way. This isn't free. Motherboard explains that the their own page would return 134,803 results and would cost $539 for that. Now, if they're going to target these people directly with ads outside of Facebook, that money, it's a pittance, right? Well, yeah, when you're talking about like four tenths of a cent or something per per uh, phone number, yeah, I can definitely see how uh, a 
shady business might be interested in using this sort of data, and that wouldn't be a big deal to pay that kind of money. And, and they did test this, by the way. They made sure that this thing is legitimate because it turns out that if you find a page that has a hundred likes, uh, less than a hundred likes, you were able to get all of that information for free, just sort of to test it, right? To make sure that this thing works before you fork over a bunch of money and on some really big page. So they tested it with some pages that had fewer than a hundred likes and they were able to get, um, for, for a particular page that had about 50 likes, they got a spreadsheet with 10 users. And so they called up these people and they had, you know, several people say, wait, how did you get my phone number? Oh, well, there's this bot and they explain the whole thing and they go, oh, yeah, I really did like that page on Facebook. So it is legitimate how exactly they got this information, whether they're using some sort of active exploit that is still there or whether they're basing this on some old database is a little bit unclear. But it's certainly another thing that I think needs to be investigated, and Facebook should be doing something about this. So this brings up the question of what's called off-Facebook activity, which I don't really like that term. It should be, I don't know, Facebook sleazy data-gathering procedures of users or something. And, and the reason this came up is we saw an article by Graham Cooley who was talking about this, and this reminded us of an article that I wrote for the Intercom Max Security blog a little more than a year ago, back in February 2020. Remember February 2020? Yes. Before everything before happened. Before the lockdown, at least here in the U.S. Yes, just at the beginning of all of that. And so off Facebook activity, I'll put a link in the show notes to the article so you can see how to access this, this activity. And we were looking at both of our off Facebook activity before the show, and you had taken a screenshot of yours at the time, and you're very surprised to see how much has changed since then in your current off Facebook activity. So just to sum up what it is, if you're using the Facebook app, and you're tapping ads. If you've got Facebook open in a browser and you're tapping ads, in my case, it's Instagram ads, but also there are other apps, and this is where it gets murky, that may have Facebook code in them. And you were trying to figure out why one particular app has like hundreds of interactions with Facebook. Yes. So since the last time that I looked at this data, um, we, we talked about it, uh, like you said, at the beginning of February last year. And so since then, I've got a bunch of new stuff that has shown up in here. One of the things, uh, and, and by the way, in several of these things, I have no idea what they are. There's, they're, they've got um, sort of random names. Uh, they seem to be a company name, but there's no logo associated with them, um, which is kind of curious. I suspect that a lot of these have to do with apps that I've downloaded. As I mentioned last year, almost for me, almost all the things that show up in this list are apps that I've installed that have nothing to do with Facebook, that I'm not using Facebook to log into these apps or anything like that, but somehow they're still getting tied to my Facebook account, maybe by virtue of me having the Facebook app installed. So what's different between your usage and mine is you use private browsing all the time in your browsers, and I don't. And I've always got a Facebook tab open in Safari along with, you know, half a dozen other tabs. So I don't have the Facebook app installed on any of my iOS devices. I use Facebook in the browser on iOS. And presumably on iOS, it might be different the way... 
cookies are shared and maybe on the Mac, having the tab open means that the cookies can be shared. As I said, some of them are things from Instagram because I actually find ads on Instagram that are actually interest me. But a lot of them are websites that I've visited, The Verge, Ars Technica, Sonos, um, different news sites. And I'm kind of surprised why they're showing up with off Facebook activity and not others. Why not the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Guardian websites that I visit daily? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess one possibility is they, maybe they're not using Facebook tracking or, or Facebook widgets or things. Um, that could be. For me, I think okay, there were a couple of surprising things. One is that I mentioned, I think, last year in, in our, uh, this was episode 121, I believe, we talked about this and it, and the Home Depot was one of the things that came up and I'm like, I don't have the Home Depot app installed. I don't go to the Home Depot website and uh, I've got a whole bunch of new data received from the Home Depot that's given uh, somehow there's some sort of interaction between the Home Depot and Facebook and I don't go to Home Depot. I don't know <laughs> what this interaction is about, but I had three bits of data that were associated there last year, and now it's up to nine. And the most recent is says received April 1st, 2021. So I asked if you let your wife use your iPad, for example, and you said no, that she's got her own. But then you started wondering if maybe your account's compromised, your Facebook account is compromised. Well, that's, yeah. So I started wondering, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Do, do I have an account that maybe somebody else has access to or something like that? I don't know. So I'm going to have to look into that one. I probably will go ahead and change my Facebook password just to be safe. Another one that was interesting is Hulu. Now, I don't use Hulu. I don't have an account with Hulu. I can't remember the last time that I went to Hulu.com. It's been years. Um, I don't have the Hulu app on my phone. And what happened here, it seems, is that um, it says the last data was received April 12th, 2021. And by the way, you can actually download a copy of this data. You can request a copy and then they'll give you a, an export, a file that will give you all this information. And Kirk and I just did this right before the show. And so it's still processing and hasn't given us this file yet. So maybe there will be some more insights and maybe I'll get some you know, more information about how the Home Depot has my info. But Hulu, I, I think I know what's going on here. Okay, I have a question, Josh. Where were you on the night of April 12th, 2021? <laughs> this is two days ago. You must remember what you were doing Monday night. This was two days ago. Yeah, so I do have some idea of what's going on here. So there's two apps that I downloaded recently that identify what streaming sites have a particular movie. If you search for a movie, they'll tell you, okay, you can stream this with this subscription or you can stream it for free on this site. One of these two apps, or maybe both of them, has apparently given information to Hulu. Again, I'm not entirely sure how this relates to Facebook. I have not opened the Facebook app in the past week or two. And so it's a little unclear to me how exactly Hulu has my information, you know, given to to, to Facebook. I, th this is very bizarre to me how this works. So our speculation was perhaps you were searching things in this app and it's downloading previews and data from the Hulu database. And perhaps there's an, a framework inside the app for ads through Facebook or affiliate things. And does this app you have, does it display ads? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. So it, it could be using Facebook's ad server 
and it, it, it could be. But again, I have not logged into this app. I haven't used, uh, you know, logged in using a Facebook account. But you have the Facebook app on your iPhone. So doesn't the app have access? I forget what they call it, the sort of shared resources that apps can access. So Instagram and Facebook can access each other's app because they're from the same developer? Hmm. Well, it it shouldn't because these these other third party mo- you know movie finding apps are not developed by Facebook and so in theory there shouldn't be any interaction between right, them. Right, but but the ad framework is. But yes, but again, like I don't I haven't even used the Facebook app recently. It's not open, not even in the background. Okay, so your homework, Josh, is to look into <laughs> how this works under the hood. I'll, I'll see if I can figure it out. Can can an app access that kind of information? Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to do some experimentation. I'll, I'll I'll try some different things with uninstalling the Facebook app or offloading it and see what happens. Yeah, or just logging out of the Facebook app. I, I'm very curious to see what's going on. And and uh, actually, this would make a really good article for the Intego Max Security blog. Good. You're on it. Okay. Uh, before we go, Apple event next Tuesday. We'll be talking about it next Wednesday. I'm still waiting for that iMac. I want to replace my iMac. What about you? I'm curious to see whether Apple is going to come out with a new Apple TV. There has been a rumor that they've been, uh, you know, there, there's some some things that have been sort of found in code that indicate that maybe an upcoming version of Apple software is going to reference some a, some new version of the Apple remote. And so I don't see why Apple would release a new remote unless they were releasing a new Apple TV. So Okay, I saw a rumor that I find a little bit ridiculous, that there would be a hybrid Apple TV HomePod with a screen. Now, here's why it's ridiculous. Some people have TV rooms. You have a specific room for TV, so you're not going to go there to make a video call. Plus, the Apple TV, it's connected to that device that has a screen. What's it called? That thing... Oh, the TV, yeah. Exactly. So why would you put a screen <laughs> on an Apple TV desi- device and, and a HomePod? I, I find that a little ridiculous. I I kind of would like to see that with a toaster, however. I think that would be interesting. Uh-huh. But it's interesting to speculate on where the Apple TV hardware device can go. And we've talked about this in passing a few times. Now that the Apple TV Plus service is becoming somewhat mature... Apple is going to want to come out with a new device, but why? Who needs it? Because you can get the Apple TV app on on a Roku that for twenty five bucks, and smart yeah. TVs have them, yeah. and it's starting to be superfluous unless they add some sort of killer feature, like I don't know, a refrigerator to put your beer in or something into the Apple TV. What would? Because <laughs> all you need, all you need to run that now is a USB dongle. You don't need a complicated device, and and it kind of. Unless they come up with something really original for the Apple TV, I don't see the point. Right. Well, and I've been holding off on getting another, you know, an Apple TV for a long time. Um, I, I waited, you know, I, I know they have a 4K Apple TV. I could just go ahead and get one. But I'm like, you know, it's been years since the last time that product was refreshed. I'm not going to get a 4K Apple TV right now. So this is this will be the test. So if they if they announce something really good and really compelling, and like you say, it's got some some exclusive features that you can only get on Apple TV that I'm actually interested in using, that could be the thing that gets me to buy a new Apple TV. If not, oh well, I'll just use Roku from now on. Okay, we'll find out next week. Until then, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. 
To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.